Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm Alan Seals, and we're interrupting our Hadestown takeover to bring you a special little bonus episode here with Telly Leung and Cameron Adams. Both are involved with this brand new movie that just came out on Broadway on demand called Ensemble. And it's throwing the spotlight back onto ensemblists, members of Ensemble across Broadway. And Cameron is one of the people featured in this conversation Telly is a producer on the project. This conversation that the movie documents happens one year, almost to the day of when Broadway shut down. And then as the movie just got released on Broadway On Demand, it's almost to the day two years after Broadway got shut down. So it takes us back to those feels that we had missing our industry and watching everything grind to a halt. Remember when we thought it was only a few weeks and we'd be back in a month, two months. So we've learned a lot. Lots of things have happened. This is just a great project that needs to be shared. So everybody go to broadwayondemand.com, watch Ensemble, and enjoy this conversation with Telly Leung and Cameron Adams. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here you go. One, two, 
I'm excited to talk to our two amazing guests today in no particular order. Let's start with Telly Leung, who made his Broadway debut in the 2002 revival of Flower Drum Song before moving on to some incredible notable roles such as the title role in Aladdin and of course in Rent and co-starring in Allegiance alongside cultural legend George Takei. Our next guest is Cameron Adams, who has over a dozen Broadway credits on her resume. She made her debut in the 2000 revival of The Music Man, and now a return to Broadway in Mrs. Doubtfire when it opens for the second time post-COVID. <laughs> they are both here now to discuss a brand new documentary called Ensemble that just dropped on March 11th on Broadway On Demand. And it's a look inside the private lives of Broadway ensemble members recorded a year after Broadway shut down. Telly and Cameron, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thrilled to be here, Alan. Thank you. Cameron, you were in Ensemble. You're one of the people that was part of this conversation, and we'll get into the format of it yes. in a second. And Telly, you produced it. You're one of the producers on this, right? That's right. So for you... Um, I guess it was sort of co, uh, co-created by Mo Brady, notably of the Ensemblist. And, and I want to give props to Mo uh, right off the bat because his podcast and his efforts have always been uh, very focused on highlighting the works and the effort of the ensemble members, which are unsung heroes of, of sort of the, of the Broadway community. And, gosh, I guess taking a step back from there, you've got swing standbys, understudies, everybody, alternates who are in oftentimes in the ensemble in their own right until they go onto these other tracks. So it takes a village. Everybody, side note, don't just idolize your leads, idolize your ensemble because <laughs> this is a hard-ass business. So, Telly, for you, as uh, tell me how you got involved with Ensemble in the first place because uh, producer can mean many different things. That's right. So in this particular instance, I, I came on board because Aaron Albano and Mo Brady, this was really their idea and their baby. They said to me, hey, we really want to gather these 13 diverse, multi-generational Broadway ensemble members on the one-year anniversary of the Broadway shutdown. So that's March of 2021 to, to um, get together and have a d masked dance class as well as having a socially distanced conversation about how the year has been, what their life is like now with no Broadway, and what they sort of were looking forward to as Broadway starts to come back. So um, uh, when they told me about this, they said we had another producer involved. That producer ended up pulling out at the very last minute. And Aaron really called me for advice saying, I don't know what to do because here we are at the middle middle of February. And it's about a month until the one year anniversary when they wanted to shoot this thing at Open Jar Studios. And they lost all of their funding. And ultimately, my job was just going, wait a minute. So you have, I have a month. And how much money do you need? And <laughs> what sort of space do you need? And what are, the, what are the COVID restrictions? And keep in mind, this is March of 21. <laughs> so this is pre-vaccines for people our age, yeah. for most of us yeah. that are, you know, our parents were vaccinated at this point. This is also after a really tumultuous 2020 of having not only an unprecedented shutdown for our industry, but also this is after the summer of 2020, which was George Floyd, all of the protests on the streets, those conversations about racial and social justice. This was after a really heated election. 
This was after mm. an insurrection on the Capitol. I mean, like so many things that happened at this point in March of 2020. And now that we are t speaking to one another, you know, in March of 2022, it feels like, oh gosh, we went through all of that just a year ago. But, but keep in mind, like this was, this was really just a, a, a giant question mark. And so I felt it was really important to capture it. So my job as a producer here was just figuring it out <laughs> step by step, how to make that happen, how to get these 13 people in a room, how to get those four camera folks in a room and our COVID compliance officer and get the space ready and um, just create a space where, where everybody could be themselves for, for the seven hours of footage that we ended up getting. Was there, uh, I guess, God, COVID compliance officer, this was before vaccinations, like you said, for, for people our age and, there was no Broadway to even be thought about at that point. So COVID compliance was already a thing. I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember when all of the COVID compliance officers started to be implemented by the union. Technically, this was we shot this on a SAG contract because it's a documentary. So SAG had certain rules about what sort of COVID compliance needed to happen, what sort of testing needed oh, to happen right. before you could get on set. So um, this wasn't necessarily the equity rules; it was the SAG rules. SAG AFTRA, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So then I guess Cameron for you, uh, how did you get involved with, with this? And then uh, I guess, was it cathartic to have these sort of conversations? Cause you're in a room with, um, uh, Telly, as you said, multi-generational, very diverse in terms of there was an age range and there's a, a, a racial diversity that is very, very important. And even a binary identification diversity that was part of this conversation. It was incredible. Um, and, and to be totally honest, it kind of became something, I, I don't know, Telly could probably speak more on this, but Aaron Albano reached out to me and I've known Telly and Aaron and Mo a very long time. And, um, I feel like we all sort of started and came up around the same time, at least Telly and Aaron and myself. Um, and when Aaron reached out, um, it was a, a while before. And I think the idea was sort of to sit down and and talk about our personal lives and experiences and journeys within the industry and all of that. And, and same sort of thing, very diverse in all of those categories that you listed. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, yeah, sure. And also like Kelly just said, you know, there had been a lot of sitting around. There was a lot of everybody's independent journey was so different. It was so fascinating to then eventually get to that point after the year that we had had, tagged on to everybody's lives before that <laughs> and and really sit and listen and hear and um it was a long time to sit and listen and yet it went by really quickly and um I found it fascinating I I honestly did I left there feeling exhausted <laughs> like <laughs> emotionally and physically because I hadn't been dancing that much and we did this like fabulous dance class before with um, my buddy Carla Garcia, who's just you know the best, and and all, and you're surrounded by all of these people who are your peers, and some of them are you know brand new in the industry, and then there are a few of us who had been doing this for you know I'm in 22 years of doing this at this point, so um, it it was really awesome, and I I felt like I left there, like I said, I felt exhausted, but I also felt sort of I don't know like excited for what was to come, you know, and what the next sort of step was for, uh, for our industry. And, and, and sort of, like I said before, and I obviously Telly can speak on this a little bit more, but I do think it evolved into something that maybe initially it wasn't, it, it, 
it evolved into something more because times changed and life changed and everything sort of shifted a bit. So, I mean, Cameron, here's the thing, like the crazy thing about doing a documentary, I've produced other things, but usually there's a script, right? Uh, We had no idea what we were going to get. So... (laughs) I mean, that many of the conversations that I had with Aaron and with Joey Monda, my producing partner, and also with Pierre Murray, who's the di- brilliant director on this, who's also mm. an ensemblist himself, he, we were like, we just, we don't know what we're going to get, and nor do we want to curate this conversation and force any sort of reactions. We just want to leave the cameras rolling uh, and have the most authentic responses come from these 13 people as possible. And a little bit of booze helps too. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, you you get thir- you get thirteen ensemble members together. You give them a little booze, and it it all helps the truth come out. But you know, keep in <laughs> mind again, not only did all of those crazy things happen in the world in March of twenty twenty one, Cameron's right. We had not been together. We went from spending hours and hours with each other backstage yeah. at auditions, running into each other in Hell's Kitchen, to like all of a sudden not seeing one another. And I think, yeah. So much of March of 2021 for me was like, I don't know how the world moves forward. I don't know how our industry moves forward. I don't know any of that. But I think what people walk away from after watching these 13 people talk for 50 minutes um, is that, you know, no matter what it is that's ahead, as long as we have each other, we're going to be okay. As long as we hear each other and as long as we bring all of those different perspectives into it, whatever the future is, we're going to be all right as long as it's together. I also thought it was so lovely because it was such a, a varied group of people. And like, I knew a handful of people going into it, obviously for years, but then there were a lot of new faces that I was meeting or only heard of because of other friends or they were in cast with other friends or whatever, you know, there was a lot of opportunity for it to get, um, heated. And obviously it, the conversations were very passionate. But everybody really listened and and took in what everyone was saying and everyone's sort of perspective and point of view and experience. And it was really encouraging, I found. Looking back on... Uh, on it, have you have you been able to see it since... Uh, since you, Yeah, okay. So looking yeah. back on it and seeing, uh, I guess, probably remembering things as you were watching it that maybe were forgotten, <laughs> um, putting things into perspective now, so we're in March 2022, a year after the filming, which was a year after the shutdown. So we're in March 2022 right now, and looking back on what you said, do, do the things you said still resonate, or have you... Um, I guess, does it, do you move on from that stress of being unknown? Because now you're in a show again, Broadway's back, but the show isn't back, but it, it, you know, in previews, then COVID shut it down, then it came back and then it went on hiatus. And then now the hiatus is pushed back and we're, we're still in this sort of tumultuous time. So what's, what's going through your mind now after watching it again, a year later? I mean, watching it, well, my initial, response because you know we're always so critical of ourselves with oh my god I talked too much or oh my gosh I said this and blah 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 you know but but no I I I felt like the outcome was so beautiful the way um Pierre and everyone put it together and edited it and made sure I I don't know I I thought it was beautifully done I'm very proud of it and I'm so proud to be a part of it because I do think this is really special and unique and and new and exciting um I feel I have so many emotions about this <laughs> this business coming back. 
I, I would be a liar if I didn't tell you that I have been on a roller coaster ride of how I feel about all of it. Um, I was so thrilled to start back in September at Mrs. Doubtfire because I really love the show and the people involved. It's one of the funniest group of human beings I've ever been around. So all we do is laugh and have a great time, including like the crew and our stage management team and everybody involved. Um, so for us to get to that place in a very safe way and then have you know, Omicron kind of sweep in and, and tear us down in a time where we really need to needed to um, make a lot of money financially. Um, the holiday season, as everyone knows for the Broadway industry, is essentially your place where you make a lot of money to kind of float you through January and, and February when times are a little slow without a pandemic, you know. So add a, add a pandemic and it's really, really tough. And um, so taking this hiatus has been like, you know, eye-opening of, I've always been a person who believes in having other interests outside of um, what I do, because ultimately what I, I do is my passion. Of course, I love to dance. I love to sing. I love to act. I love musical theater. I love movies. I love all of it. So um, I really dove into those other things and sort of took myself out for a second. Um, that was also during the pandemic, I will say, like in the in the thick of it. But also with this time, I've I've been teaching and doing some other little things and I'm lucky to have a partner who is working and um, in the theater, but on the, uh, you know, he's a, a stagehand. So he's like loading in a thousand shows and setting up a play mm -hmm. right now and things like that. So I'm, I'm lucky in that regard, but it's, um, it has been a real journey of being prepared to come back to something and thinking, okay, this, is either going to go really well or it's not. And that's always the gamble that we take, but for whatever reason, reason the stakes feel really high. Um, but I, I think also from where I am in my life and the age that I am and all that, I mean, I'll be 40 this year. So it's just a different, I'm in a different place of, you know, I, I've done this. I've really done it. And I've done more than I ever thought I would do at, when I started at 17. I mean, if you would ask me at 17 that I'd be like playing roles on Broadway and understudying leading ladies and, and, um, you know, doing all these exciting things, I would have been like, what? Oh my <laughs> Lord. You know, so I'm trying to be really open to whatever sort of presents itself. And if it looks a little different than it used to, great. You know, and that's, that's where we are. <laughs> that's a really good perspective. And I think it's a healthy perspective to have. And, and there's, Gosh, I mean, there's so much that needs to <laughs> needs to change in the world in general. Like, you know, you got college kids coming out riddled with debt that can't earn sure. enough to pay that off or find a place to live. But, you know, larger macro problems aside, on a micro scale, what I think um, is really important that Ensemble does, and, and you know, Telly, I think you can probably speak to if this was intentional or how how much intention was put in behind this was um, the the lack of diversity that is um, involved in Broadway and the Broadway community. And um, I guess just how, how the status quo has been the status quo for so long. And I, I love that you're calling attention, that Ensemble calls attention to the fact that there are many people out there that are not just white men that can do this job and have done this job and are very good at it. Well, what's interesting about that is it's, it's Broadway is diverse. It's just when you look at the power structures of Broadway, they are not. So I think that that's sort of the the next step, right? I mean, I think we've done a very good job mm. in sort of, uh, very good, of course, with A Longer Way to Go of diversity on stage, <laughs> of, of seeing that. 
Well, but then when you really look at, and I think Carla speaks about this too, where she, where she says, I'm, I'm the only person of color on this, at this production meeting when tech is over and now we're, the whole production team is getting together. I'm the only person of color with that perspective at a meeting talking about what changes are we going to put into previews the next day. She's like, that's, I don't know if that makes for good art that lack of diversity, right? I don't know if that makes for good conversation. I don't know if that makes for good progress as we sort of look forward. So I, um, I, I, think, I think it's interesting, like we never ask ensemble members, what do they think? Or what do they envision hmm. for the future? And yet, you know, and yet here we are, this diverse group of 13 people who have a lot of great ideas about what they wanna see Broadway look like and sound like and who they wanna see producing Broadway. I think it's, um, I think it's. I think it was just my job as a producer to, you know, turn the cameras on and and give them the mic. That's a that's a wonderful idea, and and you too, actually, like you've you've sort of diversified your career in in the past couple of years, or maybe even longer. But it, you know, doing some research on you and knowing you, uh, you're saying this isn't the first thing you've produced, um, and so you're starting to get involved with this power structure and to help change it and to help influence. And I guess you've got a good relationship with, with George Takei and I'm bringing him up not to name drop him, but God, let's name drop him for a second. Ah, George Takei. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he deserves it. Yeah. Um, and, and did you, do you, when you were working with him, do you still work with him? Do you get, um, uh, I guess, what have you learned by working with somebody of that stature who is so committed to being vocal about the honesty and lack of support for diverse individuals? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about George. George, would, there would be no Telly Leung if there wasn't a George Takei sort of clearing the path for me. You know, so I, I, I am fully aware that people like George Takei faced a lot more resistance and prejudice and mm -hmm. racism coming up in this business than I I ever will, I ever did or will, right? And it's because of him and the progress he's made that I'm able to even do what it is that I'm doing. He's done everything from star in a TV show to do movies to like produces, producing his own work, a la Allegiance, which is just a, a, a passion project for him to tell his story and the story of his community. And he's also run for office. I mean, he's done like all of, he was, you know, he was the first, he and Brad were for two of the first gay people to get married in Sacramento and California when that was a legal thing as an act of protest. So, you know, he's all of those things. He's artist, activist, producer. I think he wore so many hats, frankly, and I, and I think I take this on. I know I started producing my own work because I wasn't getting hired. Like I had to eat and make make work for myself. I had to, I'm still an artist. I still had this energy to put output and tell stories. And if that was my own story, or if it was a story that wasn't going to make it into the commercial theater world, I found a way to tell it. For me, that was, I, I started producing my own club acts. So Flower Drum Song, my first Broadway show, it opened and closed in four months in 2002. There was a big musician strike. I'm sure Cameron remember that, where we were picking yeah. on the streets <laughs> and they closed yeah. our show on the streets on outside the Virginia Theater, now the August Wilson Theater, they said, by the way, there's a musician strike. We're on the picket line as equity members, <laughs> you know, standing in solidarity <laughs> with, our, with our musician friends who were protesting minimums in Broadway shows. And they said, by the way, your show is closed. And I, I, I went from four years of college of Carnegie Mellon where I lived, breathed, you know, slept theater. And then I went into rehearsals for a new Broadway show, a revised goal, a revised Broadway revival of a show. And then all of a sudden I had no job. And I was like, oh, I, have, I have more stories to tell. I have more energy to give. And 
you know, putting putting together your own club act is you as producer. It's not only you as a vocalist and your show, but you are also the person handling your own budget, your own marketing, you know, whether that's printing postcards and leaving them at Ripley Greer. Do people still do that? I don't even know, like for their club act. Like, <laughs> you, know I mean? like, you know, like that's like that's what it was. You know, I was you sort of wear all the hats and that just eventually evolved into going, well, if I can put together my own club act at Don't Tell Mama with an eight dollar minimum, you know, eight dollar cover to two drink minimum, I can do this on any scale. Right. Um, and produce the work I love, or in this case, produce the work that I believe in that my friends, my friends love, that it's their vision. You know, this really is Aaron Albano and Mo Brady's brainchild and mm. really Pierre's vision. It was just now it, it wasn't mine, but I sure wanted to be a part of bringing the resources to make it happen. So that's that that's sort of how that began. But really, I, I George is somebody who's a pioneer that without him, I wouldn't be doing this. But for you to see someone like George makes you realize it's possible for you to do it, which is the whole point of all this. It's like, you know, I've seen a million white ladies do, I mean, women, obviously we still have a long way to go, but it's a different thing. Like I've seen a million incredible, you know, at 13 when I saw Karen Ziemba play Polly in Crazy for You, and I'm on the front row of the mezzanine, you know, Schubert Theater, like with just silent tears, like, streaming down my face going, how do I be that? How, how can I be that lady? Like, you know, I saw a lot of that. Whereas like to see someone like George for you, that's incredible. And it probably does inspire you to do more things like this, producing things and creating things. And And, and really the, the, the heart of ensemble is I, that's what I wanted. I wanted generations of theater, performing arts, theater kids to understand a, what we went through in 2020 Uh and 2021 and also to see the resilience of these 13 very diverse people in different stages of their life and career sort of sort of still find a way through right like these 13 people we're going to watch this documentary 10 years from now and go those those folks survived a pandemic those folks were still artists through a pandemic and if and if a generation from now, 10 years from now, some theater kid at, you know, Carnegie Mellon or Michigan or some theater kid watching at home, do you know what I mean? Streaming it. We're all holograms by then. They're probably watching hologram versions of ensemble. <laughs> their living room. That like, you know, like, totally. that they, like, that they, like, they feel inspired that they go, if those 13 people can do it and make it, like, maybe I can too. And I see myself in one or several of those folks because, and that yeah. was the point of keeping the diversity of the group. A combination of people, like a a, That's right. a, mel- a melt of people, melding of people. Yeah. yeah. I just talked with with Michael Maliakel, uh, who is the current Aladdin, you know, Telly, um, and and of course, being as he puts it, you know, a brown boy, he didn't have anybody except Aladdin to look up to when he was a kid, and he was he wanted to sing. So to be able to now be on Broadway as an actual uh, person of, of this descent and and model this for other people, like he to watch him describe the the amount of passion and. Um, uh, satisfaction and just hope that he has being able to show this to other people. Now it was, it's so sweet. It's such a sweet thing to watch him mm-hmm. describe this. But, and Cam can speak yeah. to that. You know, that's the thing that when it's the eighth show of the week and you're exhausted and everything hurts, mm-hmm. you think about, I know I think about, I think about what, what other little Chinese boy from Brooklyn is in the audience watching me. And I know Cam is thinking about, I was, I was that little girl watching Karen Ziemba. <laughs> like I have oh to. Oh my like, god! I've told her that too. <laughs> I've told her that like 
slightly awkwardly at a party. I was like, Aisha, I think you're amazing. Like, she knows how I feel. We've never worked together, but we know each other socially. And I'm like, I just, they want to do everything she's ever done. But no, I also, think about I'm going cra- to need a revival of Crazy for You with Cameron Adams. as Please, someone put me in it or contact. Yes. I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I teach a lot now. And uh, actually, two students of mine, talk about full circle, are in uh, this most recent revival of the Music Man. One of them is hmm. actually named Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I know and Tammy. I like, Love you know Tammy, Tammy Crumb? Yeah. And I coached her on her Zanita sides, and I recently went to go, and Kayla Levine, and I, I, I recently went to go see the show. And when I tell you, I have never felt this way before the feeling that I had watching these two young women who so belong on the stage and fit right in and are doing the thing and belong next to Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman and all these other incredible Broadway vets that are playing the character roles and the pick little ladies and the ensemble members. Like I just, I, and then to see this show that was my debut. I mean, I just wept through the whole thing. And I mean, obviously I'm clearly a crier, but, I just was so, it was such a, it was such an incredible feeling. I was so moved by that. And, um, and that's another one of those things that the same, it goes sort of along the same vein. It's just that feeling of like, this is, this is also why we do this. This is also why we do this. We pass it on and we mentor and we, and we educate people and it's just beautiful, you know. Ensemble touches on that too, you know, that we talk sure. about this mythology of Broadway. And one of my favorite moments early in the documentary is when Emilio looks at Megan Sakura and Aaron Albano and Cameron Adams and as, as a newcomer to Broadway and goes, you are part of that mythology for me. Like you are part of this yeah. lineage that I am so proud to now carry on as a younger generation of Broadway. But of course, as we've sort of seen through the pandemic, how much of that love and passion and our devotion to that mythology and this crap how much of that also gets taken advantage of sometimes when the when the powers that be go they're gonna love it they'll do anything they'll do anything for three cents right and that's part of the more difficult conversation of going here we are these people who are doing this thing we love with people we love with people we admire and have respected our entire lives but we are also professionals at doing this and how do we how do we how do we balance both well it's a it's a it's a you know, ultimately, you know, it's a reminder and we touch on this a lot as well in the film, but it is, we're artists, but it's a business. So, so, you know, we're getting a paycheck and we have 401ks and health insurance and pensions and, um, people in your family get married and you want to go to their wedding and it's okay to go do that. And, um, to take a vacation and take the trip to Italy if you can and do drink the wine in Italy and eat the pasta and come back and mm-hmm. you just put your skirt on the second hook, the after matinee hook on the skirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's more probably for the, for the women out there who've done period or, shows. Or for the women, have a child. Ladies. It's okay to have a child. Or have a child. And start right. a family. Have a child. You know, like Megan was or a great Or for the men for that, that matter. Take paternity Or leave. for the men. Yes. yes. And it's, so it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's a working it's a, it's a business. So you have to also remind yourself of that. It, yes, we are lucky to be doing it because how many people get to do the thing that they love as their job? Very, very few people. I think more and more people are catching on that they want to do that and they're finding opportunities to do that. But it is, 
it is not, we're not there yet. You know, we're not, we're not there yet as I like fight to get off personal days for my father's 70th birthday. You know, really, it's a, it's a so, fight. Yeah. It is hard, you know, because, because such and such is out and then you understudy such and such and then, or they understudy this person. It's, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying anybody's being rude by going, you can't have that day. It's more like logistically when, when there are very few people because they don't hire enough people, um, because it costs a lot of money to hire a lot of people, then there's a lot of moving parts that go into, you know, uh, well, you can't take that personal day because such and such is already out. So it's, it's, you know, it's a tricky thing. And, um, I'm now, but it yet again, like I was speaking before about pivoting and figuring out other things, it's easier for me to have clarity about that and what's important to me at this age and at this experience. Whereas someone who is making their Broadway debut and they're 22 years old or 21 years old, or in our case, a lot of people, we have kids in our show, mm-hmm. you know, and, or young adults, 18 year olds, 20 year olds. And it's all the harder kids for music them to man. make that decision. Or all those kids in Music Man. I mean, look at all those debuts, which is incredible. 21 but debuts in Music Man. 21. That's the other thing. We got to remind people that there are lots of new folks out there and they deserve an opportunity. They deserve an opportunity, you know, to put themselves out there. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kelly, going back to to something you said um, a little while ago is after after Flower Drum Song closed, instead of, I think you could have gotten in two different directions. And obviously the one you chose was, well, I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to make opportunities for myself. But what was it at that moment? Do you remember that moment where you're like, well, do I just sit back and, and wait for the next thing? Like, I'm coming out of Carnegie Mellon where I'm a big star and I get my first show right out of college and I'm amazing. And then all of a sudden it stops. Like it just, boom, you're you're... It comes to a full halt. And then why not just like curl up in a ball and wait for the next thing? <laughs> well, I, I here's the thing. The real honest to God truth is, for me, 
for an actor of for an Asian actor, a person of color, there are just here. This is just a fact. There just aren't as many roles for me or opportunities yeah. for me. Or I or and and perhaps back in the early two thousands, there wasn't the kind of imagination to to sort of have much more color conscious casting, right? So it's so I I, I frankly I couldn't afford I literally could not afford to sit sit in a ball and wait for my agent to call for the next opportunity because if I didn't and, and now looking back on it people go tell you, you're such a multi-hyphenate artist you teach and you produce and you direct and I said yeah I, I did all of those things in order to stay working in order to stay creative and in, in order to stay to keep my creative muscles strong you know it's interesting Billy Porter who's who was a teacher of mine back at Carnegie Mellon and it's it's been wonderful to watch his career skyrocket at this point where he has now, now he has snatched all the trophies, right? He's the Tony and the Emmy and the, the he's done all of those things so that now he can be directing films and revivals at City Center and writing scripts and getting them sold. Guess what? He was doing all of those things when he was unemployed and struggling and down to his last dollar as well, because those were other ways for him to stay creative or make money or whatever that is. And now he's just getting the opportunity to actually like exercise those things. And it's not about working sure. now it's about the projects he wants to do and guess what all of but all of those years where it was a struggle and he was doing all of those things has now made him so capable now that those opportunities mm -hmm. when that opportunity knocks he is so ready to accept it he's fully versed and well practiced in how to do all of those other things besides being a brilliant performer which he is yeah, I I am happy to see that um, so many people, so many Broadway performers took this opportunity, the the two year opportunity of the shutdown to have to start families, to have children, um, especially women, because there there is so much that you just cannot do as a woman in biologically as a woman in Broadway when your body changes and you don't look like the white men want you to look anymore in these specific roles, right? So I love that there are so many babies, there's so many COVID babies in the Broadway world <laughs> and it's so, so well-deserved and everyone's going to grow up together and that's going to be the next generation of amazingness. But um, <laughs> like for, for you coming back, Cam, um, now with, of course, this is just a different world and now there's more color conscious casting and there's a lot of work being done already in this space in terms of supporting the bodies, supporting bodies, supporting, uh, in, well, I guess in terms of pregnancy as well, but then the eight show schedule is, is now more people are being vocal about eight show schedule. And then a conversation that I think needs to come back that had just started before the pandemic hit that was, I think, sort of pioneered by George Salazar and Casey Levy about like the vocal injury conversation. Like, it's okay. You, you, it's okay to take some shows out because your your vocal cord just exploded as in the case of George Salazar during a preview of Be More Chill, right? Yeah. So like, so I guess Cam, for you first, we'll start with you and then tell you if you have anything to add on to this, like coming back, what is what have the differences been for you guys um, or have you seen any? Is this good or bad? The differences to support you and being told like, hey, Call out culture, like this is okay now. You need to take some time for yourself. Mental health is a priority. You shouldn't be having panic attacks while on stage. Uh, don't feel the pressure to come in because before, right? And I'll stop talking in a second, I promise. <laughs> you, <laughs> before the pressure was, you're sick, power through it. 
But now if you're sick, you could take out the entire company <laughs> because it could be COVID. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm so for all of it. <laughs> um, and yet again, like I said, I sort of got to a place I'm, I don't, it's not easy for me, but if I'm injured or if I, my voice is gone and I can't say the lines or sing the things or do the stuff, then I can't go to work because that's my job is to sing things and to say lines and to dance. So like, that's the other side of it, the truth. And, and people don't say this quite as often, which is people are paying a lot of money to come see us do this. And if mm -hmm. it's not of the quality that it needs to be, it, it needs to then be the understudy or the swing or the standby. And thank God, as someone who's made a career as an understudy, also, you know, people are prepared. When people started going down at Mrs. Doubtfire because of COVID, our understudies and swings, including children, I cannot, I was so blown away and impressed, blown away and impressed. And everybody was on top of it, you know, and ready to go. And there was no first cover or second cover, because guess what? At this point, it's like, everybody got to be ready. Um, but going back to, if you're sick, you're sick. If you hurt your voice and your job is to sing, a, look at the opera world. They don't do it like that. Mm -hmm. They don't look at the ballet world. If there, if, if Tyler Peck is injured, she has to st step down, you know, and, and we have got to be, I'm, I, and I've known Casey a long time and she's always been vocal about this. And I'm really, really thankful that she is because she's had her journey and challenges with stuff like that. And she is the type of person who should be speaking up about it. I don't know George personally, but um, also for someone like George. So I, I do think that it's really important. And I think we have to get our head wrapped around that. That also means, and I know it costs a lot of money and it always comes back around to money, but ultimately we have to hire more swings and understudies and standbys. So that someone, because I think oftentimes what happens if a lead of a show who carries the weight of the show on them, you know, gets injured or sick and feels like they can't call out because they're letting people down because Maybe the understudy is also sick or the understudy isn't ready. And then the other person isn't totally up to date or whatever. Like that causes a huge problem. And it, it means people don't feel comfortable either taking time for themselves because emotionally they're wrecked and can't focus on what they're doing out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause that's the other side of it is like, it is eight shows a week. And, and you know, that's a lot when you're doing the same thing and you're trying to keep it fresh. And, um, I mean, it's ultimately a bigger topic, obviously, but like, I think as long as people feel comfortable doing it, I feel comfortable doing it, but that's because I've been doing this a long time. Um, and I certainly did not feel comfortable doing it when I started in the beginning. And I know a lot of people who are young who do not feel comfortable doing it and that's not okay. So we have to keep figuring that out for sure. I mean, if you look at the history of Broadway and how you know, there is a there there is that generate that the Cheetah Rivera generation, the Harvey Evans generation that worked with Jerome Robbins, the Bob oh. Fosses, the Michael Bennett's. Right. There, the, but there's also a culture of fear that is in that mm -hmm. you, you better believe yeah. they didn't they didn't call out. There's a certain amount of like, I, I, I can't because otherwise I'm expendable and I'll get fired. Right. For doing it. And I think some of I think that's in a, a little bit of, of Cam in my generation, too, that there's there's an element of feeling like we the show must go on. We must no matter totally. what show up. Bus, I'm, I, too, I'm a I, too, have had a vocal injury that took me out, you know, of in transit mm -hmm. like for six weeks. Like I'm, I've recovered from that. And 
there's also an element of, even though it's not our fault, of shame, of going, mm-hmm. oh, I'm out of the show and it's my fault. And I've <clears> let <throat> people down because of it, right? And um, I know that's really hard programming for Cam and I who are both, you know, Cam approaching 40, I'm, I'm like in my 40s. But like, I have to like deprogram myself, especially when I talk to this generation of kids. I too am a teacher as well. And it's, and what professionalism means has to change. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily yep. what it meant for us coming up in our 20s and 30s. The, the 20s and 30-year-olds should not have to put up with what we put up with in the same way that we didn't put yep. up with that culture of fear that Cheetah and Harvey <laughs> and all of those people put up with with Bob Fosse and Jerome Robbins. I mean, we, 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 should, we need to evolve into think, a better think, way of treating one another. And what do you think, Kelly? I think a lot of it is that people... Um, uh, people think it's it's uh, someone's going to be lazy or someone's not going to appreciate you know show up for their job and and whatever. When ultimately, of course, people will take advantage. Of course, that's going to happen no matter what. But it's this many people. It's I'm. It's so small. It's such a small. Very few people are going to do that. You know, and and it's a it's about. It's also about taking care of yourself so that if that show happens to be wicked and it runs for fingers crossed and it runs for 1000 million years and is a massive success and you have to go in and out of playing that green, witch, that you feel like you can do that and also take time for yourself. And, and, um, the rest of the world does it. The rest of the world does it. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, we just, we have to approach it very differently. And we have to teach people that it's okay to do that. I agree with you, it's, Kelly, it's, in that. At the end of the day, it's about accountability because Cam is also sure. right. Uh, you know, even though deep inside us, we think the show won't go on if we're not in it. Well, guess what? If I'm not at my best or if I'm injured or if I'm, and I, I, re- I should seed my, my track for the night to the person who can really fulfill the job. And that's keeping myself yeah. accountable. I think it's, it's imperative on us to keep those people taking advantage of the system or taking advantage of a newfound sort of compassionate way of producing theater. Mm-hmm. If those people are taking advantage of that, those people also need to be held accountable. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, so, so it's, so it, it's sort of on both. I think it's really ends up being about accountability on, on every side of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that it, it goes back again to what you were saying that you, there wouldn't be no telling the young in your current capacity without George Takei. And now there's, there's not going to be the next, uh, the next generation without the Camerons and without the Tellys leading the way, and so it, of course it's always going to be like this. And and so the two of you now teaching and now producing and having these conversations publicly, I think it's it's going to go such a long way to to changing the industry for the better, and and helping people realize that it's not one of those things where like you you have to choose between what you love. And a paycheck. You can ha- you can have it both and still have a work life balance. So it's it's very very interesting. It's interesting where we're going. Yeah, and I actually think we're we're on the path. You know, like everything. You know, we all want a really quick fix, and it's like why everybody's obsessed with diets and things too. They're like, if I do this diet, I'm going to lose ten pounds. If I do this one exercise, whatever. It takes time. It takes time and it takes talking and it takes figuring out and one or two people trying to make an effort to, to change something to see how that works. And, and so it takes time, but I, I do believe that we're working on that. I, I really do. I, I see a small difference already. So I'm going to stay 
I'm going to try to stay optimistic about about that. I think I that it. change so, happens through things like ensemble. Because we knew sure. filming something like ensemble, we it. knew that there was no it's not about, you know, it's not a it's not a place. There's no beginning, middle, and end. In fact, when you watch ensemble, it feels very unfinished. And it's always been our goal to say this is the beginning, hopefully the beginning of a conversation. So once the movie ends, you all hopefully go to the bar and keep talking about everything we've talked mm -hmm. about for the last 50 minutes. Yep. And that conversation yep. and that sort of transparency and that a vulnerability to have those really difficult conversations, whether that's about being injured or wanting to start a family or feeling guilty for not showing up to the show or whatever that is, do you know what I mean? Or, or like feeling guilty for making a decision that's good for the paycheck and not good for your soul, like good for the art. Like I, all of those things, like that is, that's right. The conversation is how we sort mm -hmm. of get to the other side of it. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that, that you both hope people will take away after watching Ensemble? Um, I hope people will just take away, you know, listening to all of these different journeys and experiences and perspectives, um, that it doesn't have to be the same format for everything. Like it doesn't have to be the same format that we've had for everything there. We can take some of that and some of this and some from over here and some from over there and try to figure out new ways of doing this successfully so that pe people do feel all of these things. And I'm not saying it's easy and I definitely do not have the answers for all of it, but I think, I think it's a, I think watching something like this will hopefully inspire people to keep trying. That's, you know, that's all that we can do really do, do better keep moving forward. Do better. We can just do better. I mean, that's, if you don't, you know, that's how we all just try to live our lives day to day, you know, it's like just doing better. And I think we can certainly try to figure that out with our, within our industry as well. Telly? Um, what I, what I hope people walk away from watching ensemble is that, is the power of an ensemble. You know, it is, it is the unit that we are stronger really together even though it's 13 individuals from different perspectives, well, the, those differences actually make us better when it's a collective unit. And there's something really powerful about watching these 13 folks dance together in unison. Uh, also really powerful watching the 13 folks sit in a circle and share their different perspectives, but able to share in the same joy of what it is that we do, right? So I, I hope people walk away with the feeling that there is power in numbers and that, um, even though it is, of course, wonderful to be an individual, and that's very valuable for you to have your own unique perspectives and to share that perspective authentically that that there is power when we are together. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's a team sport. <laughs> it <is>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a team sport, what we do, you know, and, and a lot of people don't view it that way, but it, it really is. <laughs> oh, no. And there's so much you can do that's not on stage. Even in your one-person shows, yeah. you've, got, you've got the crew. The crew is going to be big. And yeah. then you've got the house staff and the producers yeah. and everybody. Like, end-to-end, -end, there's marketing and then there's press. And there's so many yeah. things to get involved, even if it's just a one-person show. So yeah. yes, team yeah. sport. I love the. I love that's a. Uh, I love that metaphor. It's very good. So <laughs> I, I want to wrap up, um, and uh, and I'll ask each of you. We'll alternate here. Three standard closing questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. So Cam, let's just start with you. Very simply, what motivates you? My lord, um, what motivates me? Um, I think what 
what motivates me in just my life every day is just, you know, I, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely try to be an open, honest person. Um, I try to do right by other people and be kind to other people. I am mostly successful, I think. Um, and if I'm not, I, I try to be open to apologize and honest. Um, and I think what motivates me is, is knowing that, that there's a lot of life to live and we can sort of figure it all out and, and there is no wrong answer and we just have to keep moving forward. Deli? Uh Good stories motivate me, I think. And I mm-hmm. think that that is, whether that's me as an actor or me as a producer or a, a teacher, you know, I, to me, it's about, it's about the power of a good story. And I think in Ensemble, we have 13 really good ones. And, you know, and, uh, and for me, it was just about making sure people heard those stories. All right. So, Telly, we'll start with you for the next question. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? My advice to my younger self would be that, and younger as in like 2019 self, is because I feel like we've all aged during this pandemic, is that <laughs> at some point, the show doesn't always have to go on. And there's going to be times where it's okay that the show doesn't go on. And there's a reason why the show doesn't go on. And what do you do? I think so much of my training and career has been about how do I make the show go on no matter what? You know, limbs falling and one and a half <laughs> vocal cords down. How do I, how do I phonate? You know what I mean? How do I do this? And guess what? You don't, you don't, sometimes you just can't. And that's all right. Cam? Um, Lean into those who love you and um, let them support you and be there for you. Um, you know, I always like pride myself on being super independent and taking care of myself. And I got this and I'm tough. And blah, blah, blah. and um, I think I would say that to my younger self. And I think I would say that to same as like Telly said, like my most recent <laughs> in the last three or four years. But um couple of years three years but yeah my younger self I think I would say that is like let let people be there don't try to do it all on your own let people be there to support you and help you because honestly that's the only way you know you can move forward successfully yeah that's hard it's hard it's hard to do that and not and not feel like you're letting somebody down or a failure Uh, speaking for myself Yeah. yeah yeah totally all right so Cameron back to you Final question. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Um, I think it would be Thoroughly Modern Millie. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that show so much. I loved it so much. I just, I thought twice. I remember. Wait, Thoroughly Modern Millie or... I guess I'm going to stick with that. Thoroughly, I don't know, Rent also. I saw Rent one million times. Thoroughly Modern Millie. I'm sticking with my first answer. I, I mean, loved with it. Sut- I loved with it. Sutton and Beth Level, you can't and go wrong. Anyway, I mean, right? everybody in the whole show, I just loved it. And I, it was one of those for me that I just... Danny I, Burstein. Second, I thought was That's one of the funniest performances and I've it. ever seen. Danny. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what's your, uh, what's your um, answer there? I was going to say Rent. That sort of is, was my immediate one. But if I really think about it, I never tire of Dreamgirls. I think that's a oh, rhyme yeah. from the beginning to the oh, end. Oh. Like, 
And it's it's always good. It's like equal mm-hmm. parts, I mean, amazing musical, but also like equal parts, a little bit soapy. <laughs> like, sure. And, like, it's like, and, and like the, the, the drama of it all, like I, I never tire of it at all. That's a good one. Yeah. I didn't think about the train. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Like, it's one of those cool. shows where once you get on the train, it doesn't stop. Oh, yeah. Which I love. Same thing and with that Rent. music it's like, is so good. Oh, so good. Yeah. All right. So then, Telly, where can we find you online on the socials? Oh, I'm at Telly Leung. Super easy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me there. Cam? I am just on Instagram and I'm at Cameron.nyc. Cameron.nyc. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I'm on Facebook, if anyone still uses that, slash official theater podcast. Leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Jukebox the Ghost gave us our intro and outro music. And Telly and Cameron gave us our wonderful conversation. Thank you both. I've had (laughs) such a great time. Me too. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, would everybody go to broadwayondemand.com and watch Ensemble. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.